Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Greetings, I'm Dr. Javed Butler, uh, President of the Baylor Scott White Research Institute and Distinguished Professor of Medicine at the University of Mississippi in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm a heart failure cardiologist and a clinical trialist, and I'm delighted to talk about this poster that we recently presented uh, related to the generalizability of the results uh, of the Victoria trial in the patient population that we treat. So first, let me give you a little bit of a background uh, of the the trial that was done and why is this question of generalizability important in the first place. So Victoria trial really focused on a specific high-risk population of patients with heart failure, the the so-called worsening heart failure. And the way we define worsening heart failure is that there are biological characteristics of patients with heart failure that put them at high risk, which is irrespective of where the patients are treated. So if you're developing worsening signs and symptoms and you're failing on a standard medical therapy on which you were pretty stable, then really doesn't matter whether you treat it in the inpatient setting or in the outpatient setting, you're nevertheless at a higher risk. So the way worsening heart failure was defined was either hospitalizations for heart failure within the past six months or need for outpatient IV diuretics. So this was a patient population that was studied in Victoria and with the use of very CGWAT, there was a significant reduction in the risk of cardiovascular death or heart failure hospitalization. Now, there's an interesting twist here that when you design clinical trials, there are certain features of inclusion-exclusion criteria that are you know, defining the patient population. So for instance, heart failure with reduced or preserved ejection fraction. So in this particular trial, we included patients with ejection fraction less than 45%. Then there are certain criteria where which you're really not sure about the safety of the therapy. So for in this trial, we included patients with EGFR down to 15, but we did not include patients in dialysis of those patients that had EGFR of less than 15. But then there are all of these other miscellaneous criteria, which are primarily designed not because we don't think that the therapy will not work or there are any concerns, but those things are designed uh, just so that uh, we can have a trial that ends in a reasonable time frame. You have a reasonable number of event rate. And those characteristics usually do not enter in terms of the FDA labeling per se. So when the FDA labeling comes out, uh, that may not be exactly the same as all the inclusion-exclusion criteria for the trial. So there's a general notion out there that the patients that are enrolled in the clinical trial are not representative of the real-life patients or of the patients that are uh, eligible for the therapy after approval by the regulatory agencies. So what we did in this study is now that the Victoria trial is positive and has been approved, the indication by the FDA is for Vericiguat to be used for reduction of cardiovascular death or heart failure hospitalization in patients with heart failure hospitalization or need for outpatient IV diuretics. So that's the indication. So the one thing we wanted to look at, how many patients uh, meet the criteria uh, uh, on the basis of the regulatory approval. But then the second question was, well, what if you go line by line, every single inclusion exclusion criteria, then how many patients will be eligible for the Victoria trial? So to answer this question, 
We looked at the database from Get With The Guidelines from, say, 2014 to 2020, almost a quarter million patients, about 240,000 patients, with heart failure rejection fraction less than 45% in over 500 hospitals all across U.S., and we looked at these data. So the first thing that we learned from this study was what a high-risk group of patients these are. We're talking about almost 30-plus percent mortality risk within one year of discharge in the Get With a Guideline registry for patients with EF less than 45%. You know, we all very appropriately are concerned about patients who come into the hospital with myocardial infarction, with a stroke, but the fact is that the prognosis after discharge from myocardial infarction or from stroke is actually better than with, with heart failure hospitalization. So about 30% risk of mortality, about 30% risk of readmissions for heart failure, about 60% risk for readmission for any cause uh, within one year. So really high risk population. And that underscores why we need to give the standard of care therapy to all of these patients because we really want to change the trajectory, the natural history of the disease process, as well as uh, look for novel therapies and apply novel therapies as well. Now, the second question, how many patients, how many of these patients will be eligible based on the FDA uh, approval or the regulatory approval? Well, the answer is nine out of 10. So nine out of the 10 patients will be eligible based on the FDA approval. Uh, bigger reasons for not being eligible are need for dialysis, uh, EGFR less than 15. But this, again, underscores the fact that the drug that is approved or the clinical trial that was done for this worsening heart failure population that it's very common. And these are the patients that we are seeing in the clinic all the time. This is not some niche or unusual population to which the therapy applies to as far as the FDA indication is concerned. But then if you go and you look at every single inclusion exclusion criteria, uh, even those that were primarily put in just to get the, the calibrated risk so that you end the trial in a, in a reasonable time fashion but are not necessarily a part of the FDA uh, uh, approval, then we are looking at almost four in 10 patients that will be eligible for enrollment in the Victoria trial. So about 40% eligible for enrollment in the Victoria trial, about 90% are eligible for therapy with Vericiguat based on the FDA label. So in short, we looked at about 240,000 patients across 500 hospitals all across U.S. And what we found was that one, patients with EF less than 45% hospitalized in this Get With a Guideline registry, uh, extraordinarily high risk. 30 plus percent mortality within one year, 30 plus percent risk for readmission for heart failure within one year. That very CGWAT that in a clinical trial setting has been shown to reduce the risk of cardiovascular death, heart failure, hospitalization. That indication was eligible to 90 percent of the patients based on the FDA approval and 40 percent of the patient would meet all the criteria to be approved, uh, to be enrolled in the Victoria trial. So uh, I hope that this information was helpful to you and uh, uh, we should go back and treat our patients aggressively for all the therapies they deserve. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.